Welcome to the first Spartan podcast. We've got a cast of six people here. I'm David Foskey, 76 years old as of this year's marathon. Did the, my first Melbourne in 1978 and uh, got slower ever since. Next. Uh, I'm Jim Yatomi Clark. Um, I'm, I think I'm about 79, I think, by, by the time uh, Melbourne Marathon is on. Uh, yes, I've, I don't even know how many Melbourne Marathon I've done, but uh, ran about 30 plus, I think. Okay, I'm Brian Flegg, I'm 71 and a half currently. Um, I've done 41 Melbourne Marathons, I missed the first one. Uh, currently reached the end of my career due to knee issues. I'm John Zelesnikov. I thought I was the youngest of the group here, but it turns out that I'm a few months older than Brian because I've just turned 72. Uh, I've all, I'm also the one who's run the least Melbourne marathons. Uh, I've run 24, although although totally I've uh, probably run more marathons than a lot of others. Uh, my name is Roger Weinstein, 72 years of age. Um, I've done all the Melbourne marathons and frankly the only reason I'm still doing them is uh, because of the sequence. It's uh, the happiest day in my life would be if there was no sponsor and they cancelled the Melbourne Marathon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my name's Peter Ryan and uh, I ran the first 37 Melbourne marathons. Um, the last one obviously was uh, 2015 and uh, I don't really do much actual running, a lot of walking now and my uh, main job is to make sure that I get Roger through to make sure that he doesn't miss one. So fortunately the last couple of years that's been a success. And hopefully I can get him through a few more. Okay, well, uh, perhaps we can talk about about injuries as we were before this started. Uh, I've got a slight knee problem at the moment. Uh, Peter, no? Yeah, look, that, uh, that ended my run of uh, Melbourne marathons. Uh, I, just had one, I had had operations on both knees, just cartilage and a bit of a touch-up, but uh, in 2015... One knee blew up and was extremely hot and swollen and just couldn't get it down. And uh, consequently, I started the marathon, but because I hadn't done sufficient training and uh, was in a bit of trouble halfway, uh, I decided that that was time to end the sequence. Uh, obviously disappointed, but as Roger said, it is a great, a great weight off your mind to know that you didn't have to each year at the appointed time front up and run the marathon so 37 in a row wasn't too bad and um, and uh, I ran 54 all told I did Paris one week and London the next so obviously uh, had some great times around the world running marathons. Brian you had a sequence of 41 uh, finished last year perhaps tell us a bit about that. Okay, uh, the only marathon I've ever done has been the Melbourne Marathon. I, I've always said it's not a fun run and one a year is enough for me. So the Melbourne's all I've done. I, I missed the very first one. I was actually overseas on a business trip that year, but did every one for the uh, following 41 years. Uh, I start In 2021, I started and got through 15K and pulled out because of uh, knee, knee trouble, which I've been 
battling with intermittently over at least the last 10 years, probably more like 15 years. Uh, not a person who's really keen on surgery. I've had a look at the knee with an orth orthopaedic surgeon. I've been told the knee's worn out. Uh, put up with it for as long as you can using painkillers sensibly. Uh, so I'm pretty much, I jog a bit up to about four or five K, uh, mix up with a lot of walking as well, just to keep me going. Uh, so I still try to keep active that way. And I'll put up with the knee as it is for as long as I can. Jim, you're the oldest of us, and uh, mm. I believe you're thinking of making a comeback this year after not y running for a while. Yes, um, that's that's right, uh, David. I, uh, for the last two, three years, I've uh, missed out, obviously, the last two years because of COVID. But uh, I, I just got sick of going through, you know, putting up with the pain of running marathons and uh, my my body was willing and capable but my mind just wouldn't let me. But uh, I've been fortunate in as much I, uh, I've only had a few soft tissue problems over the years and um, yeah, so I'm, I think I'm fairly lucky that way. Well, John, you've done the most marathons of any of us. And you're certainly still going strong. So, not to, it's very kind to say the word I'm still going strong because most people, when they see me out either competing or in fact training, say, mm, We saw you walking. And, and quite frankly, the pace I'm going at, the, there's very little difference. Listening to, to, to all of you speaking, I've never found running marathons painful or really hard. Uh, and I think the reason is I probably haven't pushed as hard, uh, particularly uh, physiotherapists and doctors keep on. Now the way they try to assess how hard you're working is not using a heart rate monitor, but actually to say what is your level of effort. And I must say, I, certainly in a marathon, different than the 400 metre run, I've never gone beyond six or seven. And in fact, when I used to wear heart rate monitors, my heart rate never got above 100 in any marathon. So what it, what it means, and probably because I realised I was not an elite athlete, I would never win any event, I went out of my way to enjoy it. And in doing so, I didn't push myself hard, and hence it meant that it was easier for me to run marathons. And in one period in 2007... I was able to run a marathon uh, every week uh, for five consecutive weeks. And that was pretty much because the training for the next marathon was the previous week's marathon. So it, it really becomes uh, how many marathons you run, how often you run, really to some degree is how much you exert yourself. My problem more now in running and the reason for running slowly and it having more effect on my knees uh, is I think as much as putting on weight as getting older. Mm. Uh, and the real problem is, for many people, getting older and putting uh, on weight are synonymous. And if, if, you, if you could weigh a lot less and things like that and be a lot more flexible, then I think that running would be easier. Well, I must admit... I do, I enjoy the process of running marathons 
and that's part of the reason that I've kept going. Roger, your experience is a little different. You've you've run a total of 120 plus marathons, I believe. Yeah, I've done 128, but uh, Jim um, often mentions to, mentions to me, which is correct. I always had the goal of reaching 100, and I was very motivated and very hungry and very driven. And the day I, I did my 100th marathon, it all dissipated. I all my hunger disappeared. Uh, uh, and I've just lost it and since then I've just been existing because of the incentive of not missing a Melbourne marathon so um, my problem I think is reaching my goal I think it's it's dangerous to reach one's goal in life mm. well could that then be that at different times of life we should have different goals I mean for some of our and I always remember a great Australian athlete Trevor Vincent, he stopped running the day he, he ran his first marathon in over three hours. And that sort of, you know, pe- people like Vincent and Clark, who were elite runners, always wanted to remain elite and not be known as anything else but being elite. But for a lot of other people, uh, all you want to do is be do your best and to realise Athletically, your best might be in your 30s or 40s. Uh, if you're going to be a great scientist, that generally comes when you're in your 20s or, or 30s. But if you're going to be a, uh, a philosopher or a historian, then you need a lot of knowledge and you do your best work when you're in your 70s and 80s. And the thing is to realise that you can be very successful in your 70s and 80s but the way you measure success has got to be different. Yeah, I think that's very sensible, yeah. Well, I'm just, for myself, my initial goal, well, there were a couple really. One was to beat my flatmate, and I couldn't do that. But then my goal was to break three hours, and it took me until I was 40 to do that. And I only did it once, and I only did it by 68 seconds. Uh, but luckily, well, luckily, as it turns out, that wasn't the end of it for me. I, I did want to keep going, but uh, not with the same intensity. Yeah, well, I, uh, I, I think um, somebody mentioned before about different goals at different age, and uh, that's quite true. And uh, I, I, I'm not. I'm not too sure, but the training as you get older changes application as well. And uh, I think you, I think one needs to learn to train smarter, lots, lot smarter as you get older. I think um, you don't need as much as many mileage, but I think you need to see what's going to uh, help you to get your fitness uh, and keep your fitness. I think that's 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 my take. Yes. I, I've, I, I've, I've, I've only noticed that myself as I'm getting older. I've, uh, my training method now today is totally different to what it was, you know, 20 years ago. So what are the differences? I think that well, would be very well, interesting. Well, as, as I said, I think it's a uh, quality and reading your, reading your body better. And uh, nowadays I, um, I don't 
push myself to the point where I'm, where I'm going to be exhausted. And um, I recently, last Sunday before, I ran a half marathon. That's the longest run I've done for about, oh, maybe years, 18 months. And uh, purposely, all I've done this week, or last eight days, is walk. And, uh, and I just refuse to run until, and, and this week I'll just do a couple of jogs. And uh, next week I'll pick up again and uh, start, start doing the normal run. And even then that's only four times a week. Instead of seven days, seven days a week. Well, four times a week is still pretty good, and for oh, most yeah, people that would be excellent or superb. Yeah, but it's I'm only doing a few cases a week though. So, uh, yeah. Jim is being very modest. On a typical Tuesday, uh, Jim won't tell you, but he trains three times a day. He goes for a walk in the mornings with a group, does six and a half k, comes and joins joins us, and uh, and does. Anywhere between three, three and a half to six k. Then at nights, uh, with the masters group, he's doing sprints. Um, uh, uh, so um, <laughs> he's been. He's a very, very modest gentleman. It's it's hard to tell when you watch me whether I'm doing a sprint or just a warm up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think with my running uh, initially when the marathon started, I did most of my running around the streets of Essendon on my own, basically. Um, but I think what kept me going to a large extent was I then started meeting a group of generally much younger people than me and at the tan two or three times a week and got off the concrete uh, footpaths and ran on the track around the tan. I think that prolonged my running, there's no doubt about that. And also having the younger people there, the conversation was uh, <laughs> obviously a bit different to, to what I would normally have, so that was great too. If I may, uh, a few random thoughts that I I thought about uh, yesterday when I was thinking about uh, our session today. Um, I I think physically, um, one just getting older, you get slower. Uh, I agree with John that um, uh, as you get older, you put on weight. Uh, I've noticed the last few years, I'm just... Every day I weigh myself, I weigh a kilo more. <laughs> can't figure it out. And um, I've been pretty lucky with injuries, but uh, over the last three, four, five years, I, 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 I do get various injuries like um, uh, like sciatica, etc. Uh, that's the sort of on the physical side. On the on the on the mental side, um, um, when I was younger, you know, we all have an ego and we like to look well and you know to look uh, fit and trim and. As you get older and you look in the mirror and you can see that um, you know that you've aged, you, you don't seem to have the same ego, and you give up on being driven to sort of look good or look better. Because when you walk down the street, people see a you know sixty-plus-year-old man, seventy-plus-year-old man. Um, emotionally, um, um, uh, we're talking about earlier about resetting our, our goals, and um, perhaps uh, you know just thinking aloud while you guys are talking that I will sort of spend time to look at what what times uh, a person of my age uh, should be running. So I compare myself to people my own age rather than comparing myself to how I ran in my early 30s. Um, um, and also just uh, as you age, you, 
you know, sort of recently retired. I don't have the structure of work anymore. And um, I've, I have fallen in over the last five or 10 years into a, a comfort zone. And um, I think my, um, my work uh, and a lot of my effort in running has been replaced by spending our time with my grandchildren. Um, there are just a few random thoughts I thought about yesterday. One of the one of the things I do notice, which is really interesting, and probably all of us know Lavinia Petrie, who uh, women seventy five to eighty is world record holder in every event, and I've sometimes, particularly at Athletics Victoria events, I have seen her warm up and seen her train, and then seen her cool down. And, and I just marvel at her, and I realise why she's doing so well, because she's training in a similar way to a lot of the elite runners. She's doing the stretching and the warm-ups and the run-throughs and things like that. So the point is, and she, she herself is probably running a lot slower uh, than she used to run, but the point is... It, it, it is possible to continue long longevity as long as you're flexible enough to realise that you've, you know, that you've got to read your body uh, and to do things differently. And I mean, today, I, I think one of the things didn't exist in our days, but with trail runs and things like that. So when you can run on, you know, uh, soft sort of... Uh, trails rather than running on hard roads that's really good for people uh, having different sort of events making uh, you this repetitive work that we're all doing enjoyable is incredibly important and also uh, to get a get the feeling of feeling good but of course there are so many different theories when I started running the idea was that you had to run far uh, it was long, slow distance, a guy called, a uh, German guy called Van Ackeren. So people in the 1970s and 1980s used to do incredible mileage. Now the theory is that you can train less, but you've got to do it harder. And that, you know, that's what elite athletes do. Uh, it's interesting to know, because all of us are now into the uh, category of being older athletes, how, how, how do we sort of change what is good for you? I did. The, the, a few years ago, I had some atrial fibrillation, variable heart rate, and so I, I went to see a cardiologist. And the, and the one cardiologist who, interestingly enough, practices about 200 metres from here, said, I don't want you running. Okay, and I, I don't actually have any heart problems. It was just that I had a bit of a leaky valve, which eventually was fixed with an ablation, but my, my, my arteries are fine. He didn't want me running. And in the end, and I wasn't going to take his advice, that's why I went to seek other uh, cardiologists. Uh, and one of them was a cardiologist who specialised in running. And he looked at me and he said, there is evidence that uh, running marathons can be bad for your heart. If you really push yourself incredibly hard, he said, running sub 215 is, can be really dangerous on your heart. And if you do this regularly and continuously, then he looked at me and he said, 
that's not a problem with you. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, so the more active you can be and the more you do it, the better. I, and I, the, the cardiologist who said don't run, he was more worried that I might be going on trail runs mm. and be, you know, five kilometres away from anybody else. So, yeah, I've, I've given up running, you know, isolated places just by myself with nobody else around. I never particularly liked doing that anyway. But, you know, most running, and particularly in events, is in groups with people around you. Uh, it is shown no matter what your level of health it is a pretty good thing. But we get different theories what were, for in fact, what to eat. My second marathon, or I didn't actually complete this, so I shouldn't say, 1972 Victorian Marathon Club marathon, I'd had to do, write my honours thesis and I'd submitted it. And then I had breakfast. Do you know what I had for breakfast? 1972, steak and eggs. Okay. <laughs> Get to 15 kilometres uh, of a marathon and God, my stomach was sore. There's whole different attitudes towards nutrition training. We have far more knowledge now than we used to. And it's very important to use these knowledge and to be aware of it. You know, the football players of the 1970s and not the football players, for example, of today. And I particularly look, I, one of my very early memories is the 1964 Grand Final. I don't know, uh, of Australian rules football, I don't know if you remember a Collingwood Ruttman called Ray Gablick. Yeah. Uh, and, and he kicked two goals. Uh, I think the second from half-back flank and the reason people couldn't stop him was not because of the speed he was going, but nobody could physically stop him. He was a very heavy guy. Well, he died in his late 50s. And I'm sure, you know, if, if, he, if he had been, you know, the, the relative guy today, Max Gorn, he would have had very different training and would have had a much healthier life later in life. Well, I guess I should mention my heart uh, story, uh, David. Um, I was obviously fairly fit 2012, I guess it was, and I was still doing the marathon and okay. And, <clears throat> excuse me, fortunately I've got a saint as a doctor and uh, I had slightly irregular heartbeat, which the cardiologist sort of thought was nothing to worry about, but she was still pretty vigilant and um, they found I had a an aneurysm on the aorta, uh, which uh, wasn't affecting me in any way as far as running and training is concerned, but uh, obviously it had to be had to be operated on with open heart surgery and cutting the piece out and putting Dacron in and all those sort of things. Um, and I really uh, very appreciative of my doctor for being persistent in finding that problem. Um, her thoughts were that it was caused by a virus that I'd had a bit before. Uh, whether it was or not, obviously debatable, but uh, I had open heart surgery on the 24th of May and managed to get through the marathon in October. And as John said, certainly trained the way I uh, changed the way I trained, did more, run 50 metres, walk 50. Uh, so did very little continuous running over any distance. And 
And uh, I think I probably enjoy that to a large extent more now if I go out with Roger. We do a lot of strides and, and just short runs, and I guess that's what got us through the marathon, or got you through the marathon last year, yeah. Roger. So, uh, the, so the heart story, I think, is obviously worth relating to people. Uh, when I went back and to see the surgeon a month or two after, he, I said, can I do the marathon? And his words were, as far as I'm concerned, you can do anything. So... Uh, he was confident that he'd, he'd uh, fixed up the problem and uh, as it turned out, it, he had because I haven't had any problems whatsoever since. Well, another similar story belongs to Neb Gardner, who uh, I think we all know here. And sometime in May, as with Peter, he had an operation, he had a hip replacement and he managed to get through the marathon that year. So it, uh, it does prove that illustrate that you can uh, can fight through these things and uh, and keep doing what you want to do yeah. mm. and, and talking about peter and mentioning roger uh roger had uh, had told me and i was chatting to him that he'd been on on a drip uh in a few melbourne marathons recently and i, I had had a long we had a long chat about hydration and things like that, and I'd, I'd impressed to him that running a six and a half hour marathon is very different than running a three hour marathon. It's really much more like an ultra marathon, and you've got to hydrate more and you've got to eat more because you're on your feet for a longer time. And Roger said to me that he did listen, and in his last Melbourne marathon was about half an hour quicker. Yeah. Uh, than your previous ones and you didn't suffer. Yeah, I changed my whole approach. It's... <laughs> John, I, I have to sort of uh, uh, disagree with you there. I, I've done a number of uh, ultra marathons with Roger. He never ate or drank too much uh, during uh, ultra marathons. No, he's never done. No. no, no, no. But, but most people do. When yes, most people right. do. Which brings us to another point, doesn't it? Every one of us are different. Yeah, sure. So training, I mean, you read uh, articles about how to train, how to become elite runners and what have you. I mean, you can, you can read and understand that, but I think it's important to adjust it to suit yourself. You've you got to combine that with reading your body to see how it's performing, I think. So that's that's one thing that I I've, I've learned over the, you know in more recent years when as I got older mm. yeah mm. Oh, I think there's no doubt about that you mm. you can have all the theory but you just got to relate it to your, your yeah. own situation and your own I think there are some non-negotiables and mm. uh, hydration's one of them right it's <laughs> 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 also been a big help to me advice on on like the drinking and eating too. Yeah, the availability uh, of a guru. Uh, and, <laughs> and the other the other thing that's obviously helped Roger is being able to go for a walk for two hours and talk about Hawthorne for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I just wonder whether it's normal uh, of people our age to do marathons because I, I did look at last year's marathon results and there were 29 people over 70 that ran um, and yet there's probably half a million people in Melbourne that are over 70, so it begs the question, uh, are we 
are we normal or are the other half a million not normal? So uh, I don't know whether it, it, it's, uh, it's what we do is normal. I think, I think the word fortunate is probably more appropriate. Uh, not that we've found the, the holy grail of life, but, uh, you know, I, I think you've, you've got to exercise in some way, whether it's running or whether it's bikes or swimming or, swimming or whatever. But uh, I think once you, and I'm 74, once you sort of give all that away, well, I think you're just on a, a very slow slide to oblivion, really. So you've got to keep active, keep your mind active, keep your body active in some way and just have these little routines and, and stick to them. So uh, at the moment I don't run much except with Roger, but I've done a few long walks in recent years and uh, I intend to just keep doing them as long as I can, really. Well, normality is a statistical concept. And so what is normal is not necessarily good, uh, is what most that's, people are doing. Right. And most people don't run marathons. It doesn't matter what age you're talking about. Uh, and I don't know if we, if we you know, uh, if we look statistically, whether 70-year-olds running is a very different pattern than other people running. The more relevant question to ask is, what are the health benefits of those people who are over 70 who, who are still running marathons? Now, that might be difficult to really work out because you, you might argue that if you're not healthy, you couldn't be running, okay? So it's not a fair question to ask. But I think research will show that the benefits of any sort of exercise at any sort of age is good for you. And what we're finding now is the benefits don't only come with regard to uh, physical performance, they come with regard to mental performance. The people who uh, exercise more, and particularly who are running marathons, they are happier, lead more productive lifestyles than people who don't. And that's why all the media, in you look at the newspapers, whether it be the Age or the Herald Sun, very different attitudes, but they have a whole lifestyle and fitness section mm. devoted to that. And the other thing is, and why there are so many more women running now than there used to be, but maybe not in marathons, but in half marathons that I've been running recently, there tend to be more women than men, mm. whereas in the 1970s, there were very few mm. women running. Well, I can give the stat on that in that uh, in 1978 there was four or six percent of finishers were female and a couple of years ago it was almost 30 percent in the Melbourne mm -hmm. Marathon. Yeah. It dropped quite a few percent last year which is which is interesting and I hope it's not an indication of what's going to happen but I think uh, the women are actually more sensible about running marathons and the males is not so much ego involved. Uh, mm. I think they probably train smarter, they don't knock themselves around as much. Mm. And they train socially. Big generalisations there, but, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> but I think it's the case. Mm. Yeah, and the question now is, uh, as, as Brian mentioned earlier, that with his knee that uh, he, he mentions that um, uh, that might be the or might or is the end of his uh, marathon um, career. 
Might be. Um, and I say to Brian, you don't know how lucky you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's been such an important part of our whole, whole, whole lifestyle, really. I mean, we decided to start running 40, 50 years ago. It just becomes part of your life, and that's, that's, yeah, that's, that keeps you going year on year. Before you know it, you've done 40-plus marathons. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, the, but the pressure, say, the night before the marathon, and oh, just how much you're nervous, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You're, no. you're, you're, you're indeed lucky, <laughs> I you, think. Once you come to terms with it, it is quite, yeah. quite a big load off your mind. Yeah, I get that. I yeah, get that. Yeah, yeah. But running marathons can be different things to different people. Initially, running marathons for me, was sort of achievement mm. because I'd been on crutches, I'd, I'd, I'd had polio. So the idea that, you know, I could I could achieve and I could belong to the same club as Ron Clark, mm. even though I was, you know, I was mm. the slowest mm. runner. Now, but he was the quickest. But later on, particularly once I went and lived in America and I was living in a rural university, hardly knew any, like... Running was a great way of making friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also a great way of going, getting around the country. Mm-hmm. So I used to go to places that I'd never been to, uh, you know, through running. And, you know, will you run as well? Where's the next marathon going to be? Where can I go? Mm-hmm. That, that was fun. And, you know, making friends. Sometimes people, I remember running Birmingham, Alabama, uh, and I made a good friend that day and I never actually saw him again but for that day we we had a lot of common he was the same ethnic background as me and we talked about things and 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 so it, it was a way of connecting mm. okay or social networking mm. uh, you might say mm. and yeah for different people it, it's a various way mm. uh, I, I'm interesting enough just earlier this year uh, I'm a met a group of people. Uh, it was uh, I live in the city of Goldstein, where the Labour Party is not terribly competitive. But there was an independent running, and she she formed a, a running group. Uh, and I don't necessarily agree with the independents' political views, but God, it was lovely meeting the people and chatting to them and having coffee afterwards. Uh, so it, it was for social sort of aspect of the running because these were mainly 40 to 50 year old women who were much faster than me and weren't running with me but we'd have coffee together that that was a so what i'm saying is there are there are different benefits for various people for various ages for various genders yeah for me running was an enjoyable way of keeping fit uh, as a young fellow that primary and high school, I was very short-sighted, had to wear thick glasses and I couldn't play contact sports. used to find myself with a group of half a dozen or so bogans playing softball. Those that couldn't play contact sports ended up down the back corner of the park uh, trying to play softball. Uh, I was always in that group. Um, When I went to uni, I found myself living in South Yarra, fairly close to the botanical gardens and the tan. And... uh, I needed to find an enjoyable way of, you know, getting exercise, and I was drawn to the tan. Nearly every night, I'd get home from work, mm-hmm. do a lap, do do two laps. It all began for me there. Uh, as a young fellow, my dad liked his sweets, and I sort of suffered from the same food addiction. 
was a way of keeping your weight down. Exercise, keep the weight down. Uh, I was very aware, poor dad dying of a heart attack in his early 60s quite prematurely because he was overweight, hadn't looked after his diet, hadn't had any exercise for quite a long number of years. I was determined not to let that happen to me and the running all followed from that. Um, I missed the first one because I wasn't in Australia, I was away on a business trip. I would have been there otherwise. So, that, so I started in 1979. 1979 was a pretty warm day, I think. Oh, it was oh, terrible day. Oh. 20, <laughs> high, high 20s or maybe even 30 degrees. I managed to finish in about four hours 35, I think, from memory. I know I'd prepared very well for it, and uh, my expectations for the time I, I was going to take was much, much higher. Yeah. <laughs> so you find yourself totally unsatisfied, and that brings you back the next year and the year after that and the year after that, and so on it goes. So it's quite an addictive thing in a way. That is but uh, at the same time, very healthy. Keeps your weight down, keeps your pulse rate down, keeps your arteries clear. Well, my story with the Melbourne Marathon is similar to yours, in that I did the first one because it was a challenge, and uh, I didn't know anyone who'd done a marathon. And I was very disappointed in my time in 1978. 1979, to my surprise, I ran slower, but so did everyone else. And I started to gradually improve and, as I said, the aim was to break three hours, which I eventually did when I was 40. When, 40, when the year of turning 40 turned up, I said to myself, if I'm going to do it, it has to be this year. And I dedicated a year to, to breaking three hours. And I, and I knew in St Kilda Road, well short of the finish, that I was going to do it. It was a great feeling. Uh, but by then I was hooked, which is why, why I'm here now. So can I ask, for how many of you was the first Melbourne Marathon, not your first marathon? We're talking about the legends. Yeah. Well, no, the, the people oh. who were chatting at the moment. Well, my first. I'm not a legend, so I can't know. answer that. Well, was um, the Melbourne I'm, Marathon... 78, your first marathon? Yes. Uh, was it in No, no, no. It was, uh, was much, much later. Oh, was, okay. Yeah. 78 was mine. Yeah, yeah. 78 was mine. On the one exception, I actually yeah. ran the Victorian Country Marathon 1971. Okay. How many, John, how many had you done before Melbourne? Before you did a Melbourne marathon? That was about seven or eight. Yeah. And in fact, that Melbourne marathon I ran about 340 was actually my slowest. Because even the first Melbourne Marathon was a reasonably warm day. Yeah, it was. It was a bit later then. I know that real hot day. That I had visions of going to the Melbourne Cup a couple of days after that. So it was the Melbourne Cup weekend. Yeah, so it must have been Melbourne Cup weekend. A friend of mine at the Weather Bureau <coughs> said that that was an awful weekend yeah. to schedule marathons. He said there was, a, there was a danger. The first Melbourne Marathon, it was predicted to be 35 but there was suddenly a cool change. Still 29. Mm. But the next one, obviously, that was it. So after that, I believe they moved it to October yes. and they also changed the course to have it along the beach, where, which made it better. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So for most of you, the Melbourne Marathon was the thing that attracted you. Would that be fair enough to say, into running? Whereas for me, it was just 
another marathon. It, it just was uh, available. I'd, I'd been overseas uh, uh, by America in 78 and was amazed the number of people running in uh, San Francisco. So then I got back uh, and I heard that there was a marathon in about 10 weeks. I'd, I'd run in every country in, that I holidayed in, but um, not very far, but had 10 weeks to get ready for the first Melbourne Marathon. Um, and I was still playing footy, so I came back with a couple of weeks to go to hopefully play in the finals, but the team hadn't made it. But uh, So then I had 10 weeks to get ready for the marathon. But uh, for me, it was just convenient that it finished, but it started basically at the end of my footy career. So. Well, that first Melbourne Marathon, my aim was to break 3.30. And I had some other people I wanted to beat. Some of them I did, some of them I did, but I didn't break three thirty. But they had the uh, the Olympic tyres. I don't know if you remember that. The one run by South Melbourne to commemorate the uh, uh, Olympic marathon about two weeks later. And there I did run three twenty. So was that around Princess Park? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was. Thirteen laps. Yeah, like that's that. the first place I broke through. Yeah, I see. Yeah, and I had one gentleman sitting on me, or just behind me, and for the thirteenth time, down uh, Wall Parade, he called me and beat me by one <laughs> second. <laughs> and you all know him. That's Peter Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm big, he's he still reminds me of that. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> Yeah. Gentleman was the wrong word there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, can I perhaps ask each of us um, their funniest story from the Melbourne Marathon? I, I will uh, start with the funniest story. I, I, I'll know. I know. Um, when the when the course was uh, from Frankston, um, you may recall we used to start just outside the, a gym there. Or yeah, and. Um, and there's one year that um, uh, we all parked our cars there, and one of the, one of the one of the guys there said, oh, "I I want to go into the, I need to urinate." So he went he went into the bushes to to, to, to urinate, and then uh, he came back and he said, "Oh, you wouldn't believe it! I just went there into the bushes to urinate, and there's all these women with their pants down." <laughs> and, he, and he said, "Oh, I need enough. I need to urinate again." <laughs> I'm off. Uh, that's my funny story. Well, my funny story is similar to that. It's not about the Melbourne Marathon, but it is political. Uh, in 1982, I was running the DC Marathon and and I needed to urinate and no toilets around I didn't want to slow down so I weed against a fence and it happened to be the Vice President's fence George Bush (laughs) (laughs) a year or two later I'm running a marathon Kenny Bunkport, Maine the uh, same sort of urge came over me and I weed against the fence and I didn't know it but I later found out it was his summer residence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. 
No, I can't think of anything no, funny. No. It's, it's always been painful for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I don't think so. Although sometimes this story, I don't know if it's funny, but it just shows people don't understand. The hottest marathon I ever ran was 2007, and it was in the most unlikely place, Missoula, Montana. Missoula, Montana is in the northwest of the US, almost on the Canadian border. So it would be about 48 degrees north. It'd be, it can get minus 40 in winter. Anyway, in summer, it got up. Uh, when I crossed the finishing line, it was 102 Ooh. or 39 degrees. Mm. And what, what I'd done is every drink station, I had filled a bottle with Gatorade. Because often they give you water in bottles, mm. but not Gatorade. So I take the Gatorade cups and put it in. Anyway, I get to the end, and the St John ambulance person decides they have to chat to me, okay. and I keep on walking away. And she said, "What's wrong? Something wrong? Why won't this dad talk to me?" I said, "I've just been running in the sun for seven hours. I'm not going to stand in the sun and talk to you for another quarter of an hour. If you want to move into the shade, okay." <laughs> but you know, particularly, I find often with support crew, uh, the ambulance services, they don't realise that you know what what people are undergoing. And things like that. So they're often saying, are you going to slowly pull out? And I have to say, no, this is my normal pace. <laughs> yeah, it might even be slightly quicker. Yeah. Well, I can't think of a funny story either. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one that's uh, not, not quite a marathon one, and I guess you had to be there, I guess. Um, I dabbled in ultras there for a while about the time when uh, Cliffy ran from Sydney to Melbourne and uh, Mick Whiteoak who most of us would know was crewing on that first uh, Sydney to Melbourne and next time I saw him I said oh gee I wouldn't mind having a crack at running Sydney to Melbourne I reckon that'd be good and he just said you're not and I said oh no look yeah, I wouldn't mind I said, you're not I'm telling you you're not so he was so adamant, there was just no way that he contemplated running it. So thanks to Mick, I didn't do anything quite as stupid as that. Also, uh, I think the, the theme of today's uh, podcast is ageing. Um, I think... Uh, if, People listening will get a feel that we're, we, 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 love, we love our marathons and we love the Melbourne Marathon and I hope that comes through on the podcast. Yeah. 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 Uh, now look, it's uh, for the health of the people, not just in Melbourne, I think it's been a massively significant uh, thing that occurred and I would say that every year uh, it's... There's been times over the over the years when it's been doubtful as to whether it would continue, but I'd say for the benefit of uh, not just the physical health, the mental health of so many people in Melbourne, it's just been an absolutely fantastic institution, or whatever you'd like to call it. So, um, as I say, it hasn't always been s smooth sailing as far as um, the organisation is concerned, but we're very lucky now that it's uh, 
it's a fantastic event and uh, may it continue for may you have to run 60 straight Roger <laughs> <laughs> yes well IMG have now made it a festival and so there are other distances that people can uh, can run in preparation for running their marathons and so it is a great part of Melbourne life I think and I think a pity is that uh, it's never going to get much bigger, it's never going to be one of the great marathons of the world. It's not going to be New York or Tokyo or London or Boston. But uh, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah, look, we hear a lot of people who who still would prefer Frankston to Melbourne, but unfortunately uh, the current course is about as good as you're going to get, and it's not it's not necessarily a fantastic course, I don't think, at all. Uh, but, but as David says, that's as, as big as you're going to get it, and it's not going to change. So uh, it probably is not going to get the kudos at a, a Paris or a, a London, no. New York, the, the big ones get, but it's still a great event for Melbourne. Yeah. Well, the big ones have a greater population of the city. Yeah. They're also more tourists. Uh, I mean, what do you need for a big marathon? You need a lot of elite runners to come. The, the real problem with Australia, and it's always going to be the problem, is you've got to do a lot of travelling to get here. And for elite runners, that's going to put them out of uh, competing in lots of other events yeah. in Europe or North America. For an Olympic Games... They're prepared to put up with that, but they're not going to put up no. with it for a smaller race no. that isn't financially worth it. That's right. So. Yeah. yeah. Plus, it's it's not a fast course. Not a fast course. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not too sure whether we could design a fast course. I don't think. I don't think there is one in Melbourne. To be honest, with like as I say, people say Frankston and Melbourne. All those things have been thought over. And well, first of the Melbourne's even tougher. It is tougher. Mm. And it, was, it had a really dangerous uh, aspect to it, running along that stretch from uh, up to Mordialic with the camber on the road. Yeah. Uh, it was just terrible. Um, so I don't think there is a faster course, to be honest. I can think of one. Start at the top of Mount Dandenong, downhill all the way down for 42 k. Good idea, Jim. Unfortunately, for world record purposes, it, it has to be out and back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to quite be out. No, no, no within much. 20 kilometres. And there can, uh, you can't have a decline, a, a drop in altitude. Mm. That's right. Which, which Boston, all for Heartbreak Hill, apparently does have a decline in altitude. Yeah, yeah I don't think that's it. Yeah. Mm. I know Boston is, for the first 10k, Boston's really downhill. Yeah, that is. I was stunned a few years ago running it and I looked at my 10k time and I thought, God, I'm running too fast. This is better than what I've been recently doing for 10k. Mm. And it's because of that, you know, it, it's downhill, you, you're in the race. You're, you're often running. I mean, what people don't realise is that uh, towards the back of the field in Boston, half of the people haven't entered. Okay? Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. They're just running, right? Okay. They don't have a number. Mm. And you almost can't stop them. 
Gee, what are police going to do? Come out and weed? <laughs> well, they tried to stop women, and didn't they? The first one, <laughs> yes, yeah. they sure did. Well, it was only because there was one of them. If there, yes. if there had been a thousand, it would have yeah. been rather difficult. Yes, and I think. Um, in a couple of weeks' time, um, I don't know if you, you guys are aware that um, in about two weeks or three weeks, they've got the World Athletic Championships. And about two weeks after that, coincidentally, is the Commonwealth Games. Yep. Peter and I often see, how do you say it? Sydney Diver training. And she's in a, I looked at a Wikipedia, she's about 46 years of age. True. And uh, I think all Australia will be watching that marathon oh, to her, see how she goes. Her, her style, it's just apparently in motion, yeah. I guess the, what we'd call it, right, you see, it's just her, uh, her style is just unbelievably simple, but fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah good luck to her. Which one is she running? Uh, uh, is she, 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 have they got a marathon in their world? Oh, yes. Have they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Normally yeah. they do. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't run both of them? So. No. no. She just glides around the, the lake, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. Not much of it. No. But, uh, yeah, good luck to her. Yeah. What time are you aiming for in the marathon, David? Uh, sub six. <laughs> sub six? That's all right. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Six uh, and a half. Oh, oh, no. Six and a half. <laughs> six and a half would be nice. Uh, you running, John? I'm going to be in Spain. Oh, that's right. Brian, you're fortunately not. And Jim, I'm, I'm privy to some information from Jim. I, I, I don't know if it's common knowledge, but uh, can I tell people? Oh, oh yes, I have entered uh, oh, to well, Melbourne this year. Well, yes. Yeah, look, for the last few years, I've, I thought I've run my last marathon. But isn't it funny? Your mental state, your fitness, it all play parts, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, I've decided... Plus, my daughter will become a Spartan in another three years' time, or just one and two more. So if I can keep myself fit enough to do the marathon, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to uh, nice to run it with her. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well I think part of the motivation for Jim is that he's been joining uh, Brian, Roger and I. Oh, yes, and, uh, yes. And, and discovered that he's fitter than all of us. <laughs> 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 oh, don't remember. It matters. For the, for the first time for a long time, I was not last in an AV race oh, on okay. Saturday. Okay. And, in fact, one guy was actually half an hour behind me. Mm. So, I was, so that, that really motivates you to keep mm. going when you can beat others. Okay, guys, I think we'll close it there. Uh, yeah. How long did that go? 55 minutes. Right.